What's up, you cheeseheads? Welcome back to Season 3, Episode 3 of the World's Best Podcast, the only podcast that's all about the Green Bay Packers. I'm Packers Kyle. And I'm Packers Dan. And I'll say, we've been kind of like distracted lately, I think it's safe to say, um, by other sports. I know we like to think that the Packers are the only thing in our life, uh, but this is maybe the first time in my life that the Packers are the third most successful Wisconsin pro sports team right now. And it's kind of bizarre, to be honest. Yeah, it's pretty weird. Lately, what I've been doing is I've been putting on Bucks games and just squinting so that it looks like the Packers. Because, like, their jerseys have green. They're yeah. greenish, you know. And sure, there's five of them and not 11 and all that. But, like, if you squint real hard and you drink a bunch of High Lifes, then, like, Giannis dunking the ball super hard on some loser is kind of like Aaron Rodgers throwing a sick touchdown in a football game, right? Yeah, uh... You might look into like corrective lenses or something, but I can sort of see, you know, after enough high lives, this kind of the spirit takes hold, you know. That's loser talk, Kyle. <laughs> uh, but so we thought we'd start by just kind of talking about like what are some lessons that the Packers can learn from these other teams, you know? Like what are, what are the Brewers doing that the Packers aren't that they could be? Well, one thing that the Brewers do that the Packers don't is that they do have a mascot who slides every time they do something good. Like the Packers, I, I mean, they don't have a mascot. They have yeah. the Packers Pope, and that's pretty good. But they don't have like an official mascot. Yeah, I was thinking about three more things I've got in my head right now mm-hmm. uh, that the Brewers did this year especially well that the Packers might try to learn from. Uh, one is they traded for Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich won the Silver Slugger, likely to win the MVP. Uh, the Packers kind of already missed the chance to trade for Khalil Mack. That sure. might have been yeah. uh, the same thing. But, you know, it's still it's something to keep in their back pocket going forward. Another thing the Brewers did is they signed as a free agent Lorenzo Cain, who was extremely good. At, you know, according to some advanced metrics, he was even better than Yelich. Mm. So the Packers, you know, they signed Jimmy Graham. So I think that that's basically the same thing. So that's... One-to-one. I think the third thing, though, that the Brewers did that sets them apart from the Packers is uh, they had a manager who was not an idiot. Hmm. See, you know, he had a manager. Well, let me reframe that. They had a manager who played to the team's strengths. You know, they didn't have an amazing starting rotation, but they did have an amazing bullpen. So they just used the bullpen more. Uh, Pretty simple, you know, they Make let you let you play, let your best players make plays. You know, uh, McCarthy instead of handing the ball off to a subpar athlete, you know, maybe just throw the ball to better athletes. Here's know? my idea. I think the reason the Brewers are so good is that they're named after beer. Oh, and like I well, hold on now because I always assumed you know Brewers are named after the guys who make the beers, and Packers are named after the guys who pack the beers away. That's so, an incredibly good point, Kyle. I hadn't even thought of that. I'm glad we have somebody involved in this podcast who's as rooted in the history of the team as you are. I um, participate a lot. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I know, I know that sometimes you can be found in the stacks uh, in the public library in Green Bay, yeah. just looking through the history of it and trying to better understand exactly what the Packers are all about. So I commend you for that kind of scholarship. That's really good, Kyle. Yeah. So I don't know. That's like a few ideas of the Brewers. Um, mm-hmm. Let me help you with some ideas about the Bucks here. 
Uh, I mean, I think the key thing that the Bucks did was have the best basketball player, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I mean, well, see, I think that this is a direct correlation because the Packers also have the best football player, hmm. Aaron Rodgers. It's tricky, but what if they had Aaron Rodgers and Giannis Antetokounmpo? Ah, see, that's the kind of like galaxy brain thought uh-huh. that we bring you on for. He's yeah. got the kind of height. To catch the ball in like contested situations, he's fast enough. Uh, so and- this is what I'm like. We think that Jimmy Graham is like the Lorenzo Cain, but we you know we think his catch radius is so great. Giannis's is significantly wider. Oh yeah, he's incredible, and he already has a jersey. It says it's number thirty four. So yeah. I think you know, and he already knows Aaron, so they probably have a pretty good relationship, given that Aaron owns the Bucks now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's actually pretty much a no brainer to just start having him pull double duty. He's young; he can handle it. His body can take it. He already had a concussion, so he's essentially a football player already, right? Yeah, I mean the Packers only play once a week, so it's not like he has to miss a ton of Bucks games or practices. You know, and if he does. Chris Middleton can pick up the slack for the Bucks and be fine. Yeah, you know, we've had notable instances of professionals playing two sports at once in baseball and football, but we've never had football and basketball that I know of. Yeah, Deion Sanders can do that. He may be able to run faster backwards than I can forwards. Jimmy Graham played basketball in college, but he mm-hmm. had to give it up. You know, same with like Antonio Gates. Like there there are numerous athletes who have done both throughout the course of their lives, but not simultaneously at a professional level, at least. Well, Kyle, I didn't school. research this. We might get some <laughs> fan mail from some people alerting us to some You better get examples. over to the library, it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in high school, I ran track, played football, and wrestled. And if, wow. If, a triple threat. If 16-year-old Dan Hinkle can do that, uh, I'm not sure why a professional athlete can't play a whole bunch of different sports. Yeah, you know, and you put it that way... You're not even. You weren't even like training for that. No, you know? it's pretty fat. <laughs> you know, not in good shape at all. So, I, 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 it, I struggle to understand why a professional athlete who does this for a lot of money can't just do all those things. You know. Yeah. Well, so I'm going to throw something out there now, and we haven't. I'm not sure how you're going to respond to this. I'm not sure what our listeners are going to think about this. I'm but excited already. One of the big differences between the Bucks last year, when they were very good but not great, and mm-hmm. this year when they appear to be a great team mm-hmm. uh, is they hired a new coach hmm. a new hmm. coach who has a different philosophy who's able to really optimize hmm. for the for a modern game are there other football coaches out there well at worst case scenario there are a few other on this team who don't get to make you know certain in-game strategy decisions sure. you know I'd Mike Pettin did not have a terribly successful career as a head football coach. Joe Philbin sure did not either. Um, but I don't know. Like, did they waste timeouts and stupid decisions, or were they good at them? You know, like it, it's these small things that over the course of a game, we I feel like sometimes make a difference between the Packers winning by a lot or uh, you know really struggling to win. Two words, Kyle, for our next head coach, Ron Zook. <laughs> It's, his name rolls off your tongue. It's seven letters long. He likes to water ski. 
Uh, he definitely has the look of a head coach. <laughs> he coached the Illinois Fighting Illini to what I believe was a losing record. So why wouldn't you want him as an NFL head coach? I mean, it's promoting a promoting a college coach to the head coach of your football team has always worked out super well for the Packers. So, uh, as a history buff, you'll recall uh, Dan Devine becoming the coach of the Packers. Yeah, I pretty you much, love Dan Devine. You know, it, I don't remember if it worked out well or if he destroyed the team for three decades to come. I don't really recall. I guess we'll have to check. Go back into the stacks. You're going to have to get it back up there to the brown. Yeah, I remember these history system. things. You're leading me on here. I know how this one. I know how this story ends. Well, you're like the you're the Doris Kearns Goodwin of uh, of uh, Packers scholars. So I think that you should go and study up on this a little bit and try to tell us who the best. Who what his what would the historical precedent say about who the best head coach for the Green Bay Packers coming up next would be? <laughs> So, obviously, uh, at this point in the season, the Packers should really be, uh, what, 8-0? Does that sound right? And that's what these numbers add up to, yeah. Yeah, uh, it kind of feels like they should have won every single one of their games, and I'm not going to lie to you, I'm a little bit devastated that they didn't. Um, and I've been spending a lot of my time thinking about what it could possibly be that has been causing them to lose and or tie uh, these football games. And I've come up some, with some kind of theories um, that I'd like to bounce off you to see what you think of them generally. Okay, yeah. I mean, I obviously uh, have my own stories. I tell myself to fall asleep at night. Mm-hmm. So well, it'll be interesting to like compare and contrast how we've been coping in these first eight weeks. Well, I mean, a lot of crying. Um, there's a lot of crying. I mean, coping is a strong word. I shouldn't <laughs> no. say that. Yeah, yeah. A lot yeah. of crying, a lot of drinking, uh, you know, kind of the, the usual way. Um, so here's my one, one theory. Is it possible that the Packers were cursed by an evil witch? Does that seem plausible? I mean, I'd be lying if I said it was impossible. Sure. Certainly. Uh, like what if there's a swamp north of Green Bay that, I don't know, Mike or Aaron or or Mark Murphy or somebody accidentally, like, went into in the middle of the night and there was, like, an owl perched on a branch and it was like, woo! And then an evil witch came out of a tree and Hmm. cursed them for some reason. I don't know why a witch would do that. That's pretty mean. And probably the witches of Green Bay would generally be in favor of the Packers winning. But you never know, you know? What if... now that you've got like my wheels turning, I'm thinking about it. Didn't Aaron Rodgers recently move into a new home? Mm. And I'm wondering, you know, is it possible that this home was built over an old uh, Butterburger burial ground? Oh, my God. You've got it. <laughs> it's, it's a working theory. Okay. We'll have to investigate ourselves. I, I mean, know I've already given you quite a bit of homework to do during this podcast, but I think if you went up to the Recorder of Deeds office in Green Bay and looked up, the property records, you might yeah. be able to find that out. We also have uh, some local consultants we could ask. I know uh, Packers Tom grew up in Green Bay. He can probably help me find some of the pertinent details. I think a mystical curse is maybe the most plausible explanation for this, but I've also come up with some others just in case. Well, because a That's mystical it. curse wouldn't necessarily account for the three wins. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Unless the mystical curse is like trying to make it look like it's not a curse or something. Yeah, like that, that is something know. that a curse would <laughs> pretty do. savvy yeah. move. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a, that's a player's uh, play right there. Um, so another possibility is it possible that Mike McCarthy, his indigestion, is interfering with his play calling? Huh, yeah, I'd, I mean it's hard to tell from looking at him at his face after the games nearly because he had too many pancakes or not enough pancakes. <laughs> it's a tough call. He spends the whole game on that Denny's menu right there in his hand. So, I mean, any, any honest man would be tempted. I'll tell you. <laughs> and I know that when I am experiencing gastrointestinal discomfort, it impacts my thinking. Like I, I can't be trusted to do my, to do the kind of high level thinking that the listeners of big third down have come to depend on us for. If I'm not feeling at my best, you know, like I, I really need to be to feel healthy and and clean and clear. And Mike just doesn't look like he is, you know, like he's feeling it a lot of the time. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll trust you on that one. Mm-hmm. You, I know what it looks like. Than <laughs> I, I, do. I know what it looks like. Uh, and here's another possibility, and I think this is a distant possibility, but you can't rule it out. What if Aaron is playing some kind of prank on us? Huh. Go on. Elaborate. Like, like, what if this is part of some kind of big joke, and tomorrow he's going to come out and throw... Sorry, tomorrow, you know, I don't want to date us here, but we are the night before the, the Dolphins game. Yeah, uh, who knows when this will actually get hurt? Well, I, I assume we will have won by the time this comes out. Okay. And... Maybe he's going to come out and whip like 15 touchdowns against the Dolphins and be like, sorry guys, it was like just kind of a joke, right? Like tie against the Vikings, that's got to be a joke, right? Yeah. Well, the tie against the Vikings, I think, was a joke that the refs played on us. They really stole, ripped, what's the word I'm trying to say? Ripped uh, from the jaws of victory, ripped victory from the, you know. It seems like they stole a tie from the jaws of both defeat and victory. That would be my guess. Yeah. Uh, right on. Uh, so yeah, that's sort of like the thing that ultimately helps me fall asleep at night is knowing no matter how bad things are now, Aaron Rodgers is good enough that we can always win every game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's going to be fine. It's not like the team around him in 2010 was so much better, you know? I think it's possible that what happens during the Dolphins game is that the... The camera crew comes out of nowhere, and they're like, surprise, it was a candid camera the whole time. And Aaron's like, don't worry, I'm still an insanely good quarterback. And now that we kick Ty Montgomery off the team, we're awesome. Uh, so it's probably just a big long-term prank. Don't get me wrong, I'm pretty mad about it. Uh, I'm going to be mad at Aaron for a little while, like the time Ashton Kutcher pranked Justin Timberlake, and he got really pissed about it. It's going to be like that. It's going to take me some time to recover, but I'll forget him. He's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do you have any other working theories? I'm kind of looking at the schedule, reminding myself of these losses. I just assume that Dan Snyder poisoned all the players. Because that's that's the kind of thing that that guy would do. Um, What do you then, you know, Mason Crosby missing those field goals. They lose by eight at Detroit. Maybe Mason was playing a prank on us. Or, see, this goes back to my original theory about being cursed by a witch. I mean, if anyone has ever seemed cursed by an evil Chicago Bears witch, it's Mason that day he went out and he couldn't kick. Yeah, that's it's almost like uh, he was – it was uh, like Space Jam where like mm-hmm. for one game 
I don't know, Robbie Gould or someone must have gone and stolen his talents. That's probably right. Or somebody put, like, maybe somebody slipped him a Mickey and gave him put some, like, weird drugs in his propelled uh, water or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's just so bizarre. It's like it, if he had missed one goal, one field goal a game all season, we'd be like, ah, it's like a little bit of a down year, but he's fine. But he got them all out in one game, and he's been amazing aside from that. So it's just super bizarre. Maybe it was a strategy. Maybe he was like, I'm going to miss all my field goals for the entire year in this oh, one game. Oh, yeah, and he so would that- pick. And he would pick. If you were going to pick one game on the schedule to be like, I've got to miss every field goal. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, like, this is the game I'm going to pick that I mm-hmm. bet we could still win, wow. even if I miss all of them. You would pick the Lions. You know, thank God we talked about this because – I feel so much better knowing that that's clearly what happened, which is yeah. that he was just trying to get it all out of his system so that when they're in the playoffs, when they're in the NFC Championship game and they need one of his field goals to get to the Super Bowl, he's going to kick it right through the uprights from up to 75 yards out if he has to. Yeah, easily. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we got those two. The other two, I mean, the Rams game, we don't need to go into too hard. Obviously, uh, that game was lost because of a problem that's been addressed. Mm-hmm. I know that you yeah. love Ty Montgomery as soon as he joined the team. You loved his versatility brought, uh, but it never really translated. And I think that this is addition by subtraction. I agree. I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, I feel mostly bad for him. Uh, Baltimore's a, Baltimore is a cool city, so, you know, I guess that's fine. Yeah, hang on Baltimore. yeah he'll, en- he'll enjoy it there. Um, they're also like a worse team, so they'll have more opportunities for him to do well. He'll look better. Yeah. yeah. That's really the tragedy of Ty Montgomery is that the Packers had so many good guys mm-hmm. that he never had a chance to stand out. Yeah, for Baltimore, they might as well make him the quarterback. He's going to be the best guy in their team. Yeah. Uh, and then the Patriots game, uh, you know, the less said about that, the better. Yep. I felt like it was a closer game than the score says, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. You go into the belly of the beast, I guess. That's right. It's just going to be a preview of uh, the Super Bowl, I think, is what's going on here. You think the Patriots will go to the Super Bowl? I mean, if they do, they're going to run into the Packers, who are going to be by 15 touchdowns while we stand around at the Bob Inn. And this is a thing that I think Aaron Rodgers loves to do, uh, is when he knows that he's going to play a team again in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. kind of lets them have one in the regular season. Did this against the Bears, obviously, when the Packers went on their Super Bowl run. Um, Did that happen? He's basically like an assassin dressed like an old lady. He's like got a cane and he's got a cloak on and stuff like that. And then he throws it all off and there's a sawed off shotgun underneath. And he, you know, you understand the metaphor, right? Uh, <laughs> sure. Okay, I under- yeah, I understand most things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so the point is, you know, all that is, uh, those are all problems that are easily solvable. Some of them already solved. I don't, you know, I scroll through the remaining schedule and I just see a bunch of wins. Yeah, those um, wins. I don't see any losses. Those look like wins. I mean, I, I mean, it's possible Seahawks, that like, on this round, the NFC is pretty messed up. So it is possible that by the time they get to the end of the season and they've got the Jets and the Lions, they're going to have the conference wrapped up and they can just rest some guys. But I think that that's unlikely given. Sort of rocky start they've had. So I see that they play the Jets on the 23rd of December, and what my prediction would be, they will be giving the Jets an early Christmas present, which is an ass beating. Hmm. I've never uh, received one of those for Christmas. <laughs> have you? <laughs> no, but I think it's the most appropriate thing to give to the New York Jets. All right, right on. Yeah, I'm not going to get in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. See you.
Lambo. kind of already touched on Ty Montgomery has been gone since we last recorded an episode. Another person that we need to say goodbye to, though, is HaHa Clinton Dix, a former first-round draft pick who I think brought a lot of really good things to the team. I really enjoyed him as a person, as a player, but I also think I think he was doomed the day he put on Charles Woodson's jersey. He was just set up for failure. It's not his fault. Yeah, that's Which like a, sort of the position that they put him in, and it's unfortunate, but it had to happen. Yeah, it's like a crazy curse because 21 is just 12 flipped around. And so wearing that jersey essentially guarantees that the quarterback is going to be able to throw touchdowns. That's the problem, I think. That's my theory on it. Um, yeah, I'm not sure that worked out when Charles Woodson was wearing 21. He's a different beast, though. Like, he's no, no, a no, different, no. different kind of play. I don't, I don't know what we're doing. This is all related to the evil witch curse, I think. Uh, so, like, the evil witch curse kind of flipped it around. Charles Woodson, obviously, is... I'm getting a little emotional just thinking about it. He's one of the most wonderful Packers of all time. He makes his own wine. That's cool. He's just generally... He wears ascots just all the time. the sickest of dudes. I love Charles Woodson, so I would never say a bad word against Charles Woodson. He's not cursed by a witch. He is 100% clean. In the you know in the you know metaphysical sense, um, but uh, haha obviously didn't have the same luck with that twenty one jersey. Yeah, bummer. Yeah, I, I don't. I feel bad for whomever has to wear it next, mm-hmm. but someone's gonna have to. This is the way it works. It's true. So uh, you know, as much as we're sad to see, we're always sad to see a Packer go. Um, except Jeff, Jan- Jeff Janis, we were pumped about that. Um, other than Jeff Janis, we're always sad to see a Packer go. And, you know, I think about this as like the circle of life, right? Mm-hmm. Like I wish we had recorded a version of the, uh, you know, the Lion King theme music that we could be playing at it's this point. It's not play. too late. Well, maybe for this year it's too late, but <laughs> yeah. we'll next get year, that one in the can for next, next year. Next year, look for the Lion King theme music. And, you know, even as we were losing Haha and Ty Montgomery – uh, J.K. Scott uh, had a child. Uh, well, his wife had a child. Um, and we'd like to welcome that baby uh, to the Packers fold. I have a super good idea for that baby's uh, career, which is to be a long snapper. I think if oh. J.K. gets that baby practicing right now out in the yard, uh, I actually am not completely aware whether this baby is male or female doesn't really matter yeah, um, you know by the time this baby is old enough to be a professional there will be tons of women in the yeah, league we'll and be, that's just the way it works we'll be well past that uh this baby if he gets it out in the yard and just kind of has some you know learn how to spin the ball right and all that i think when he when jk is entering his, you know, 25th year in the league or whatever, then the baby can snap the ball to him, and it's going to be it'd be J.K. Scott Jr. snapping the ball to regular J.K. Scott. Well, it wouldn't be. I don't, I don't actually know the baby's name, but I know if they're, if they're to follow your advice, which I absolutely think they should, 
And then JK is short for just kicking. <laughs> this baby should be JS. Just snapping. <laughs> nice. That's a great idea, Kyle. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Good thing. I hope they thought about this in time. Yeah. And given that JK right now is 12, in 20 years, JK will be 32. <laughs> Still younger than you. Yeah. yeah exactly. Right. Still in his prime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, 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 good. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, I I think that's it for today, you know. Maybe not our best episode of all time, but certainly not our worst. I think if you go back. No, absolutely. We're getting pretty good at this. Maybe a lot of out maybe a little bit out of practice, but we've never been all that into practice either. So And let me put this on you guys for a second. Are you guys doing your best? Are you speaking listening? to the listeners now? Yeah, okay, I am yeah. directly. I'm breaking down the fourth wall. How good a job are you doing listening to the podcast? Because maybe if you aren't absorbing all the information it's possible you're not doing it right maybe if you weren't maybe if you're doing a better job listening the Packers would not have lost four games that's right I think it's time for all of us to you know we're at the halfway point of the season right I think it's time for everybody to have one thought top of mind all the time what can I do to to make Big Third Down a better podcast (laughs) there's that I don't know that anyone could do anything to make Big Third Down a better podcast other than you know hire different hosts or you know, whatever <laughs> but what can i do to make the packers better how can i live my life in such a way that it helps the green bay packers and i want you to sit and think about that i'll keep that in mind until next time until next time i'm packers dan and i'm packers kyle this is big third down world's best podcast hell yeah peace mm-hmm.